0: Hey team, welcome to The Off Season. The Off Season is an exploration of athletic health, recovery, and performance told through stories of athletes and their medical and training team. I hope you enjoy. Now for a quick but mandatory medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general informational purposes only and does not constitute the practice of naturopathic medicine or other professional healthcare services, including the giving of medical advice. No doctor-patient relationship is formed. Use of this material is at user's own risk. Listeners should not disregard or delay in obtaining medical advice for any medical conditions they may have, and should seek assistance from the trusted healthcare professional for any condition. This podcast does not speak on behalf of naturopathic medicine, and does not represent the views of the profession as a whole. We're back with another episode of The Off Season. And this episode is an awesome one. So I'm sitting down with Patrick Vellner today. And if you guys don't know, he has been titled the second fittest person on earth in CrossFit standards. This guy has podiumed in the CrossFit games three times and he's a chiropractor. He's just a wealth of knowledge and a really smart dude. Uh, We chat so much stuff. You definitely have to check this episode out and I hope you take from it as much
1: as I did. Hey Pat, welcome to the
0: off season.
1: Thanks a lot. Thanks, Nicole, for having me on.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming. I know uh, times are probably crazy for everyone at this point, but it's uh, awesome that you can take some time and hang out with me.
1: Yeah, yeah, of course. You always need some downtime anyways, so it's easy to do this in my little downtime.
0: I love it. What has uh, life been like lately for you?
1: Uh, hectic, I'd say. It's been busy. I mean, we've uh, I'm on Vancouver Island now, and we've been reopened now since COVID lockdown for... I want to say we're on our like fourth week now, something like that, three or four weeks. So we're getting back into the swing of things pretty well. So I'm working a few days a week at the clinic. And then I just competed at the Rogue Invitational um, competition last weekend. So I was kind of prepping for a competition phase and then had to compete and go right back to work the next day and been kind of recovering from that stuff. And, you know, dealing with a lot of the same tensions that everybody else is. The world's been a wild place in the last, you know, month especially i would say
0: definitely what was it like so you're pretty used to being probably quite busy with you know being a Cairo and training all the time so did you have any more downtime or what did that look like for you
1: uh during lockdown yeah yeah so we were i think we were closed at uh, our clinic for i want to say like seven or eight weeks probably so i mean at that point yeah everybody had lots of downtime and you kind of make yourself crazy um the gym was closed. I don't really have, I live in an apartment right now, so I don't really have any way to do a lot of training at home. So, you know, I'd keep myself busy running and doing whatever I could do here and spend a lot of time with the dog. And, uh, my fiance is a family doctor in town, so she was still working. And, uh, so it was nice. She was, she was busy and I was able to just kind of do the home stuff. And, um, I think every now and then you, you're grateful for a break like that. And I mean, I've kind of always lived a fairly busy schedule, so when you're forced into a, a little bit of a break like that, it's not so bad for a bit, but uh, there's a limit to that. <laughs> and I think you, yeah, we definitely. found that, we found that pretty quick and you start to go pretty stir crazy. I, I remember being like a couple weeks in, we actually went to Toys R Us and bought a bunch of puzzles and some board games and things. And I had like a couple days in a row, I built a thousand piece puzzle in one day. And then like the next day, like did another thousand piece puzzle in one day. And I was like, man, you gotta stop. Like you need to do something else with your time. it's just like staring at a puzzle until my brain hurts. But yeah, it's been nice to get back to a little more of normality. Like we're, there's still obviously limitations at the clinic and uh, what that looks like is a little different than, than normal, but Um, it's nice to be back with patients and doing a little bit more, using my brain a little more and then, uh, yeah, I'm back to doing some normal training and the gyms are back open. Things are starting to get more normal here. Um, yeah, we all had our, we had our periods of making yourself crazy during quarantine. Um, Yeah. There were
0: so many adventures that came from that. I feel like I tried new things and, um, thousand piece puzzles I didn't get into, but I feel like I'm missing out now.
1: Oh, there's so many though. I mean, people, the amount of people who started, um, like home projects and stuff like that, right? Like we just, you drive down the neighborhood and the amount of people out on their lawn, like building something new, uh, just m- taking on little home renos or little projects around. It was great. Like that is an awesome way to spend your time. And we were in the middle of kind of shopping for a new house. So we were thinking, oh, you know, maybe we'll get a fixer upper kind of place. And if this quarantine goes on a long time, we'll have a lot of time to spend just renoing, but it's hard to get into a house that fast. So Uh, we eventually kind of changed our tune on that and it's been a a long but it gave us a lot of time to you know house shop and things like that so it's pretty cool the the things that people got into I think you know by and large people tried to spend their time well um, but I think everybody gets stuck into the Netflix vortex for a little while and um, you know I, I had all the best intentions and downloaded a bunch of a bunch of lecture series and for a while I'd spend my mornings and I'd watch at least a couple lectures and do some learning and then whatever I for the rest of the day was fine work out a bit and and uh try to do something else but yeah that's sort of I ran out of steam I would say after a few weeks of that (laughs) and you just sort of yeah I don't know you start to feel like you're not you're not uh being a very effective human being yeah or
0: like your passions are kind of taken away I always felt like um well I did the online health for a bit but it's just like being in even for these conversations like I love when the um podcasts are face-to-face because you just see how people are sitting and moving and you know what makes them uncomfortable and stuff so I found all these new challenges with technology which was super interesting to move through but I'm kind of glad we're back face-to-face for the most part
1: for sure and there's just little hurdles that you don't really think about like we're I'm super fortunate I like I live with my fiance and we get along super well and it's great. It's nice to have a little partner for your quarantine, but for people who like live alone or are single or whatever, that's just tough to not have, you know, real life face-to-face interaction for long stretches at a time. It's a totally alienating experience. Um, so you get a lot of people who it's easy to slip into a little bit of a funk. Um, so anyways, yeah, it's nice to, it's nice that things are starting to get a little more back to normal. I know out here it's, it's been, uh, really nice so and I mean summer's rolling in so it's been great and I, I gather out east it's a little bit behind us but uh yeah, starting to get there, there anyway yeah yeah
0: the bubbles are spread, starting to open up and stuff and Good. just when you were saying that it's just a hilarious concept too to like pick and choose family members to kind of like associate. put in your bubble so mom, yeah I was like is it cool if I pick your brother because they're having a baby and I was like oh yeah definitely but like you have to it's just such a weird dichotomy to be able to to live that life which we probably never thought we would be in you know.
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny and it makes you think about, um, you know, I, I had, you know, things that we used to find totally acceptable in terms of whatever, like cleanliness or just being in people's personal space that like kind of now you you adjust so quickly to, to what becomes normal. Um, and now you kind of look back as things are opening back up again and people still, you know, are a little hesitant on handshaking or hugging or things like that. Right. But um, yeah, I've noticed there's a few things that I, I've kind of thought about back about and thought like why was that ever acceptable from the first place yeah i was like why were we okay with that that was like kind of not okay like it kind of gross and then i think having been put in this ultra sterile type environment for a long time um people are yeah a little less likely to be kind of breathing on each other and things like that which i'm okay with if on the outside of this everybody's hygiene has just improved like one more notch um that's not such a bad thing
0: yeah, that's okay for sure. Um, Pat, why don't you take us back? Like, tell us a, a little bit about kind of your past and your athletic history, um, and walk us through some of the highlights there.
1: Wow, it depends how far back you want to go. Um, yeah. yeah, okay. Um, so, well, the year was nineteen ninety. <laughs> uh, I my family was always. I grew up with two brothers. I was the middle, um, and we've been very athletic and involved in a lot of sports forever my my both my parents worked a lot when we were growing up and that was daycare right like we get shipped off to whatever sport and like go to school go to sports see you at nighttime and it was like it was great we just you kind of had your community of coaches and things that kind of help surrogate parent you and teach you a lot of lessons and I think it was great for us so I, I spent a lot of a lot of my formative years in gymnastics and i competed as a gymnast till i was about 20. um i did men's artistic gymnastics and then i also played a lot of lacrosse growing up Uh, at the same time i played probably from the time i was like 13 12 or 13 till i was 24. um so i played a lot played all around canada um played a bit in the us and stuff so we had a lot of fun doing that and it's kind of playing a mix of individual and team sports and, and having that, th- those different kind of experiences. I think all of the, every sport teaches you a different kind of lesson. Um, and those were a pretty broad mix. So I think I got a pretty good balance of what you can get out of sports. So that was kind of what I did prior to university and a little bit through university. Um, and I did, I started doing CrossFit like a few years after I retired from, sports. I think I kind of burnt myself out to be honest of competitive sports. And, uh, I needed some time to just like, I don't know, be a bum for a bit. And I, I did that for a couple of years and I traveled and I like, I went backpacking with my brother and did a bunch of stuff. And then I, yeah, when I was in university in Montreal, I was just like kind of getting back into the gym and working out and stuff and and met some guys who were doing CrossFit type workouts. And, um, I just started working out with them cause it was like easy and, and it was like circuit training and it was fun to be with the little group. Uh, and they were cool. I just made some friends with them and we just would work out a bit. And then that kind of got me tuned into the competitive side of all that. Um, which was easy. And I think I'm i I'm a competitive person. So it was really easy for me to get involved in that. Um, it's really low drag, like things like the open, you know, you pay a little bit and you can do it anywhere. And it's, it was easy to, um to do it once and then see where your shortcomings were and then as someone who's really competitive that wasn't awesome to be like man I feel like you could be a lot better at certain things and that's the beauty of it like I I think for the next year there was just I had pretty obvious holes and I was like yeah you know I could I think with a little work and a little time I could be a lot better at that so it's just there's always something to work on and I think I that's what I kind of liked about it was that
0: there were certain areas that
1: I was way, way better than I ever needed to be like a lot of the gymnastics stuff and coming right from that background. Um, you know, I learned things really, really fast, but the, the time it takes you to get stronger or like build a strong foundation and weightlifting, it just, it just takes time. And so, um, you know, I could just take my foot off the gas and some of the things I was good at and refocus my energy on some of the things I really sucked at. Um, and then you, it's exciting cause you see some of those improvements really quickly and so it was cool. It was just like, it was engaging and it was a fun way to train for a while. Uh, and then I, I didn't really get serious into competing until like 2014. Uh, I went to the, my first regional competition to qualified for. Uh, yeah. And it went super well. And I think that in general, like live competition, having been someone who played a lot of sports, played a a lot of weekend tournaments, did a lot of performance sport and gymnastics perform on demand. Um, I'm pretty good at, at performing on a stage with one chance. So I always performed really well at those competitions. And I think, uh, right away it was something that I was quite good at. And so again, I think you do the things that you're good at. It's that's good, positive reinforcement, right? When you go and you have a good experience and you do well and you think, Hey man, that was great. Like that was super fun. So, uh, you kind of come back to the gym and back to training with a little, uh, like a sense of renewed purpose. So yeah, yeah that was kind of how it went and everything progressed about as well as you could write it I mean I did like my first open in 2013 qualified for regionals the next year in 2014 and then I went on a team the following year and qualified for the games and then I went back individual in 2016 and, and I've qualified every year since then so I basically continually progressed fairly linearly um, and yeah and then I've been able to perform at pretty high level for the last bunch of years. Yeah um,
0: have you ever you've uh, accomplished quite a bit in it yeah yeah what was like the highlights so you're at the CrossFit Games you said you kind of excel on this performance level in front of people what does that feel like or do you have kind of like a pre-game or a headspace that you get into or it's
1: kind of funny I I, I've thought about this a little more recently um, because I've been trying to adjust the way that I approach competition and I think the first year I went and in 2016 as an individual I had very low not low expectations but I didn't have extremely high expectations I wasn't expecting to be on the podium or things like that it was a very much put your best foot forward and do as well as you can and then you're going to learn from this and come back and try to be better the next year but things went super well and I think I was just not focused on um you know if I made mistakes really it didn't really bother me like I just I had a pretty clear headspace of just trying to perform as well as I could um and then since then I think um it's easy to get swallowed up and try to be more competitive and I don't think it's a bad thing. Um, I think in order to win, sometimes you need to be a killer and I don't think it's it's bad to, to, sh- to show up and be concerned about or be paying attention to the field and knowing when to, when to attack or when there's moments that you need to seize. Um, I don't think you can just float through a competition, which is kind of what I did in, in 2016 and things just kind of like, I just bounced off things and it went well. And I just kind of like, Landed on my feet and it was awesome, but um, I don't think you, you get a lot of those, you know. So I think you're more more often than not in a long weekend of you know twelve to fifteen events, you're gonna have some misses, you're gonna have some mistakes, and it's easy to to get discouraged. And it's more important to be able to stay focused when that stuff does happen because it, it almost always will. So that year I really didn't have much of that, and it was it was awesome. It was a super positive competition experience. <clears throat> but the years following that I've tried to kind of develop a different mentality around it. And it's funny. And I think that because of that and because of the type of person you need to be to excel in that atmosphere and the type of training you need to be used to doing um, it's, it's hard to enjoy it when you're there. Sometimes if that makes sense. You're like, you're very focused on what's next or what, as soon as you finish something, there's a very quick window of, of assessment of like, how did that go? How could it have gone better? If it could have, um, if that's a thing that you need to think about, you need to think about it really fast because you've got to move on to the next thing really, really quickly as well. So it's like, all right, we need to assess this really fast, put it in your, in your back pocket, write it down somewhere. We'll work on this another time, but for now you've got to, you've got to continually trudge forward. And so you don't really get a lot of time to be excited or happy about how things have gone. Um, you maybe get a short moment of reprieve when events finish where you're like tired and and just happy that it's done um, and hopefully effort that you put in. But you know, those are long weekends with a lot of opportunities to continually progress forward, but a lot of opportunities to, to misstep and, and slip down a leaderboard. So it's funny. I find that when I'm competing, I don't, I don't like, it's like the jaw's not over until it's over and I, I don't really enjoy it until it's done. Um, which is funny. And I do enjoy competition and the atmosphere is amazing, but um, I don't think I I take those, the the time on a competition floor to like look around and think, Oh, wow, this is really cool. Um, I think you're really focused on the task at hand. And I, and I'm someone who, you know, I think the bigger the stage gets or the, or the the bigger, the higher the stakes get, uh, I tend to like really narrow my focus. So you know, the more important the event or the more important the competition, like the less I'm going to, I'm going to pay attention to that stuff. Uh, so it's so funny. Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. It.
0: Yeah.
1: And I know i talk talked to a lot of people who are like, Oh, like the atmosphere is really cool. It's amazing. And I'm like, didn't even see it. Didn't even hear it. Didn't even like, it wouldn't like, you know, there could have been something insane going on and I wouldn't notice. Um, but it, it, at the same time I pay attention to competition fields. So if I'm racing someone in another lane, like I'm aware of what they're doing but like peripherally right and I, yeah it's funny you choose the things you want to focus on and I, I tend to focus on things that I think are going to either and then everything else is noise and it's not important until you're done right and so you kind of wait and, uh, and it, I think it makes the high at the end really kind of finally release all that kind of pent up emotion or things and be like Whew, like take a big breath out and just think, wow, okay, we're good, we're done. Um, and then, yeah, you've got to take all those things that you put in your back pocket and go work on them later. But usually, take a week or so to just uh, Chill for a just bit. breathe. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, it's such an interesting sport to me. Like I've done a couple of CrossFit workouts before, but it's such a multidisciplinary sport, and there's so much that goes into the training and. Um, it's also very interesting to me that you're a chiropractor because we, we get to see the backlash of a lot of the sport too, of like improper lifting techniques and um, just improper form and all that sort of stuff. So what has kind of been your experience to do the sport, see all these people doing the sport, which I think is amazing. And I also believe it's done amazing thing for female athletes as well. And showing this like new body that um, is super strong and powerful and empowering. And so I, I have so much, love for the sport and all it's doing, but I also see like a lot of damage it's doing to bodies. What's your take on that?
1: Um, It's interesting. I'd agree that it's, it's nice that it puts a a large emphasis on, on function, right? I think in terms of the fitness world, there's a lot of, a lot of sports that are just either very specific or highly specialized or, you know, in things like physique or things like that, you're actually, it's the opposite. Your function is actually worth nothing um, it's all aesthetic. And I think the fitness world has so many different aspects of it. Um, so the what I've really liked about uh competing in, in like this kind of a functional fitness realm is that it like function reigns supreme. And if you it doesn't matter what like what you look like, like how you did it, it's it's all about work done over time or work, it's just about work capacity. So I think there's something refreshing about that. Uh and I mean at the same time you need to be careful because with general population um, when the, when the goal is not necessarily how you get the work done, but just that you get the work done, you definitely can run into problems with people. So it's hard. And I think that the priority there is that the people who are coaching the gyms need to be very aware, like that's their job. uh, And you hope that people take that seriously because, um, it's easy for people to forget. And and everyone has that little bit of ego that wants them to go a little faster, a little heavier, or compete with the guy next to them, even though, you know, in a class setting, it's maybe not important that you, uh, you know, you beat the guy next to you. But I think that's just inherent in people. It's kind of an innate instinct that people want to do that. So, um, it's funny. And, And to be honest, like I, uh, Um, I, I, have some issues and things like that. I don't think I've, I've gotten them from CrossFit probably, you know, 15 years of gymnastics is what kind of messed my shoulders up or things like that. But, um, you know, staying strong and focusing on stability and having good bases can help you stay healthy and strong. But like, I'm hard on my body and I know that like, I'm really hard on my body. And I think that what I do, um, is a bit different. I think that there's a difference between, you know, competing and, and doing that sort of functional fitness as a sport versus doing it for health. And I think your priorities are different and that's obviously a risk that I assume and I know what I'm doing. Um, But I mean, I have to take my recovery and things like that super seriously. And I think that it's hard and I, I use you know, therapists from my clinic to help me and keep me accountable because it's hard. I know it. And it's like part of my job in both aspects. Like I'm a chiropractor and I'm like a pro athlete and, I know the importance of it from every side, but it's so easy to get lazy. Um, you know, you finished a hard session and you just want to go home. Sometimes. And I get that. Uh, so having accountability, not like a huge thing. Um, but yeah, you know, you do see it all over the place and you just, the best you can do is try to help people to understand that really like longevity comes from good movement. Right. And so as much as function is the most important thing, and I think there's a lot of ways to achieve high function, um, you know, if you're if you're task oriented and you want to be able to do certain things or perform a certain movement, it, it will it will look differently from for different, different bodies. Like that just is a thing anatomically. Like people move slightly differently. We have different anatomical limitations based on a lifetime of whatever you did. So sometimes when you're a coach or your therapist, you need to look and say like, okay, what's the goal? How can we achieve this safely and effectively? Um, and you know, maybe you have to do some work. With mobility or whatever and you have to backtrack to make sure that it can be done well long term maybe sometimes it's just people have small compensations that they need to do which is fine and, and that's totally how people move in, in everyday life not everybody squats exactly the same not everybody like reaches exactly the same um and as long as you're avoiding big time repetitives or, or very vulnerable positions that's actually okay uh and you know some people like you know if you've got uh, bad ankle flexibility. Maybe you compensate a little bit with your shoulder flexibility if you're trying to overhead squat and that's okay. But knowing that maybe you need to spend some time on shoulder stability. Right. So it's just like, there's a lot of things that can go into that. And I think having a therapist, a, therap- a therapist, eye is helpful, but I actually, I I can't do it to myself. I totally, and I've stopped trying and I, I've never, you know, if I, if I'm having issues, like I don't even try to diagnose it on myself. I just, I, I totally outsource it because um, it's just, it's too hard to, to be accountable to myself. Um, and Definitely. I just, we're yeah. our
0: own worst doctors for sure. Yeah. I, I can't
1: do it. And it's yeah. so it's, it's like, it's shameful. Cause I know, right. And I totally know. And I know if I spent, you know, however much time I could probably figure out exactly what's going on and maybe spend some time to fix it. My, my therapist are or- or in my corner, and they know what's going on and coming up for sure. Yeah, definitely.
0: And I think um, that answer is pretty well perfect because it kind of puts it all into perspective. Like, this is your life. This is what you do. And um, there's a lot of like, you know, businessmen that come out and just try to get the biggest burn possible. And I totally get that. So I love that you kind of compensated for that and saying that you know not every movement pad- pattern is exact. There's a level of competition between you and the guy next to you. But it's also you know keep it in check and definitely get that rehab if needed and definitely get an accountable eye on, on your body, because as you said, even the best need support with that. Right.
1: Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody does from time to time. I think I've yet to meet the person who's just, you know, dialed in with all the rehab prehab uh, and they never miss a day and they, they always want to do it. Like it doesn't happen. You just, life gets in the way sometimes. And I think um, that's fine. First of all, it's not like bad. Uh, but you just have to be able to be accountable to somebody and and get it done when you can, right?
0: For sure. Um, What have you seen over CrossFit? Like, interesting trends over the last couple of years. So has competition, like, ramped up exponentially? Um, I've been reading some stuff now that they're talking a lot about anabolics in the game. Um, Like, what have you seen or what have you noticed?
1: In the last – it depends, I guess. In the the competitive circuit, there's been a lot of – um, I would say there's been a, a bigger shift away from heavy loads, um, and more towards like a moderate, a lighter, moderate load, uh, for most of the barbell and weightlifting movements for like four repetitions. Um, and there's been a bigger shift towards, I'd say like more higher aerobic capacity, lots of running, lots of things like that. Um, whereas I think, you know, in early, maybe like 2011, 12 um, it was much sexier to lift heavy weights, and that's kind of well, see so what people did, and it still is, and people love it. Don't get me wrong. Um, it's hard; you can't flex cardio, and it's hard to get people pumped up about running like 400 meter repeats. But uh, you know, I get asked a lot about like, how you know if, how do you get really fit. Like if you had to pick one thing, or if you were, you know, how how do you if you had a limited time, what would you prioritize to get your fitness to a level that you were accept like it was acceptable prior to a competition. And like, nobody likes the answer. (laughs) This is a problem. It's like, you get on an erg, you get on a rower, you get on a bike and you just like, you just hurt, hurt yourself on the bike. Like, that's how it is. You just do intervals. You do longer intervals, shorter intervals. You can, all that stuff. Like you can do pretty aerobic training. You can do power training. You can do anaerobic. Like you can do a lot of work on that stuff. That's really good for energy systems. Um, and as long as you have skills and you have the motor patterns in place to support whatever it is, like the gymnastics elements or the weightlifting elements that you need to do, um, that stuff's going to get your lungs ready. And it—it's just like it's not sexy, and people don't like to do it. Like, there's nothing worse than just like showing up for a full hour session of like rowing intervals. It's just like it's boring and it hurts. Yeah.
0: Definitely.
1: And like, but the reality is that's why people don't do it, and that's why I get to beat them in the end. <laughs> it's because I'm just willing to do that uh but like yeah that's the thing is uh there's been a big shift towards that i'd say especially you know at, a, at some of the bigger events uh lots of running like and i think it's great because running is just it's so fundamental and foundational um it's, it's it's simple it's moving your body through space right uh and I, I think in general the weights are nice and awesome but in obviously my bias is that i, I came from a high level gymnastics background but I think being able to move your body through space is extremely important and being able to have good body awareness and coordination and balance and that sort of stuff is I think, uh, should be a bigger priority for people who are trying to pursue fitness for health. Uh, just because that's like, yeah, that'll give you good functional capacity and, and, and like longevity, like that's going to give you functional range in in, in your home, things like that. That's the stuff that as you get older, you're going to start to lose. Uh, so the better base you have and the more willing you are to kind of work on that stuff and train it, uh, the better that's going to serve you over the course of your life. Uh, so yeah, I think that we've we've seen a little bit of that trend where there's a lot more of a shift towards more aerobic capacity, uh, more gymnastics type skills and, and lighter, lighter load. There's usually like one heavy event per competition and people love it, but uh, it's not, yeah, that's not how you... It's funny. And I've never been exceptionally good at the heavy, heavy stuff, um, but I'm always very successful overall in a competition because I'm good at the other stuff. And I always joke that it's like, ah, eh, it's sweet. And the guy who wins the heavy weightlifting event, it looks sweet and you get a sweet photo and it's like, it's sexy, but you, that, that guy will, will like nine times out of 10 won't win the competition. I think that those skills, like the, your aerobic capacity and your work capacity and all that stuff, they mesh a little nicer. I think what you need to be successful in a singular high power event is just a very much more specific skill set. Uh, whereas I think the lines are a lot more blurred between the other stuff. If you're, if you're working in a 10 to 20 minute time domain uh, cycling lighter loads, moving your body, like doing gymnastics elements, a lot of that stuff blurs together pretty well. Whereas that like 10 second burst for like a max, max effort weightlifting thing, that's, it's a totally, totally different thing. So, I mean like that's way over here and then the other stuff all kind of lives together. Um, so often you'll see guys who just there, if they're a power based athlete based on background or whatever it is, um, they're, they'll be lights out in some of those events or high, high power sprint events, but often struggle because they just are too, you know, they don't have, they're, they're too like, uh, anaerobic, I guess they don't, they don't turn on that aerobic system as well as a lot of other people do and it's just based on whatever maybe based on a lifetime of sports and fiber typing and stuff like that that just they just as much as they train it might be more difficult to get to that point um, yeah,
0: for sure um often in with of CrossFit, like, I see this exactly like you said, like competition within groups. And I think like that's part of the camaraderie and part of why people were so drawn to CrossFit. Um, you kind of had mentioned earlier in your career for sports that you had burnt out a bit from them. Do you foresee kind of that happening with CrossFit? I know it's hard to tell the future, but with how much work that goes into it and now, you know, probably working close to full time as a Cairo, and your girl's kind of a doctor and stuff. Do you feel like, you know, you're in it for the long haul or what do you think?
1: Uh I know. I think that it's I think that there will absolutely come a point where I just I show up to the gym and I go to get on the bike and I just shake my head and I just leave the gym. (laughs) And I'm just like I don't I don't have it anymore. Like I don't have the will to do that. But um I mean it's it's been good and then and I've got a lot of cool opportunities out of it and I've been able to travel and do some really cool stuff. So it's been, it's hard, it's hard on you, but it's been worth it. And I think that like anything you put a lot of your time and effort into, I think there will come a time when you're just less willing to make that same sacrifice or put that same time in. So probably for me, like when I'm, when I feel, don't feel like I'll be willing to put the time and effort in to stay at a level that I think is acceptable to compete at. Like, I don't want to just show up and take last. You know what I mean? Like if I, if I'm not going to go there and be a threat, that's probably it. And it's been in like, you know, I've had a great career so far, so there's certainly no shame in and hanging it up at any point right now. So it's just like at some point uh, it'll be over and that'll be fine. And I have a career outside of that. And so I'm super fortunate that I've been able to, to build that in parallel. So I just think, it, yeah, at some point, I'll probably just, you know, the, the light will go off and then, then it'll just be, that'll be it. But I, I do think I, I do think I might. Uh, I'll probably still do it uh, in a class or things like that. And I think that might be what ends up being really hard for me uh, is to really let go of being competitive. And I think that that's why I almost might need to hit a burnout point before I like am willing to do that because I'd be nothing worse than you know I just trying to stay fit. I go do my hour class after work and things like that for however long, and then you're just. Showing up to a normal class, and you just know that, like, oh, you're watching your skills deteriorate slowly over time. It's like, well, you know, I used to lift this much, and now I'm to like 80% of that. Now I'm at 70% of that. And like, just trying to be okay with that. Yeah. Uh, I think that you need to be ready for that to really be okay. And I think, you know, who knows, there's some young gun in there trying to like crush me in workouts, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be that guy anymore. It'd probably be frustrating. <laughs> I like yeah, said, I'm a competitive definitely. person, and I just like, I'm sure that would annoy me. Yeah. So hopefully it's I, I, I off. yeah, hopefully I do hit a point where I'm just like, maybe not burnt out, but I'm fully committed to being less competitive and uh, and like willing to let that go. Uh, Cause it would be hard to it'd be hard. It'd be hard to, yeah. If you didn't, if you weren't ready for that uh, and you were still kind of clinging on, I think it would be a, very, a huge challenge. But yeah. like I said, there's a big difference between, you know, doing something like this for sport and doing it for health. Like I, I, hold no illusions that what I do is very hard on my body and it's not necessarily a healthy lifestyle choice. And like any sport at, a, at the highest level, like that's just reality. Uh, and I think you're deluded if you think otherwise. So I, yeah. And I, I know that that there's a, there's a timeline on that, right? Like there will come the day and it'll probably be in the next few years.
0: Yeah. Interesting. And I think that's interesting what you say about burnout too, because I, I know some people are Shocked sometimes when you can walk away from something you're so talented at um but it's truly that feeling and and for the amount of athletes that i've talked to you and kind of worked with so far it's it's literally that like you're almost you can't put your skates back on or you can't get back on a bike or it's just you're just done with it right
1: yeah and i'll be i'll be honest i have some days where i feel like i'm close (laughs) and it's like it's been a long week of training or something and i just show up and i'm like you're flicking the lights on early in the morning and the first thing you got to do is just like high power open you're like man i don't know (laughs) but you know i'm still doing it and i'm still enjoying it but i I, yeah i'm sure that that'll that will happen like there will come a time when i just like i like load a bar and i just stand there and say you know what never mind (laughs) and i just like and then i just put it away i just leave but uh hopefully not for a little while yeah, so yeah that, for sure. Because I mean, yes. to get to that point, you clearly have to be super passionate and committed to it. Right. So mm-hmm. it is an interesting phenomenon to have, to just be willing to say like, yeah, no, that's it. That's enough. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: um, for your headspace too, like where, uh, where does it come from? So I've been talking to Chad a little bit and he told me kind of what your schedule looked like while you were in Cairo school um, and kind of like all of the accomplishments that you've hit so far. And you seem like the chillest beast mode person i've really ever seen like i was watching a couple of videos and you're like yeah i, I eat well I, I have some sour patch kids i have some beer sometimes but then go out and kill it so what is that is that something like you're born with or do you feel like that's something you've developed with like athletic brothers and that's sort of uh
1: i think that like the way i am now is a combination of things that you know i think um i yeah having another lifetime of performance sport drills some of that stuff into you for sure but I think having having kind of burnt out of sports at one point already uh gives you some perspective as well right so I think ever since I've been competing in in like this sort of realm uh especially because I had such a hectic schedule I think it was always really important to maintain sanity kind of above all else and say okay well you know I can I can do a lot of things and if I manage my time well I can get everything done but um, I think that you really, you walk on a razor thin uh, racer's edge doing that sometimes. And I think the littlest things that can keep you from teetering off the edge, you have to do. So I was fortunate in school, I had a, a good group of friends. And, um, you know, it was just sometimes if you go for beers and, it, and your training suffers a bit that day or the next day, like that's actually totally okay. It's not, it's about trends over time. It's not about every single day living and dying for what are the goals of that day. And I, and some people live that way and, and it works for sure. Like you definitely, you know, you make small steps every day and you move a long distance over time. But I just, for me personally, it was like, it was much more important to give yourself a break sometimes because <laughs> otherwise I was operating at very high threshold all the time being, you know, high stress in training, high stress in competition, high stress at school. And it's just like, you need to find a place to de-stress. So if it's like, being a little bit more relaxed on my nutrition. Like, you know what, I'm burning a lot of calories. Like it's fine. Like I'll eat this burger or chicken wings or whatever. And it's not, it's not going to affect me. Um, and you know, when it comes time to compete, like I, I tidy some of that stuff up and I commit myself to being, uh, the best I can be, but I don't need to do that for like six months prior to a competition. I think to a certain degree, you learn a little bit about your own body and what you can get away with and what you, what works. Um, And it also helps that like ever since I started doing this, I had always been in school. So I had always done it and been balancing school all the time. So it was never like, it wasn't like I added something new. It was just, you know, this progressive, I would say that the the bubble that my training was taking was swelling a little more over time, but um, you know, you can make space for other things. And like I said, the the people that I had around me were super helpful. I mean, anytime we had issues or, or struggles at school, like everybody helps each other out. So it was nice to have like, camaraderie that that helped you help lift you up if you needed it because yeah oh yeah like my roommates a couple of the years usually our, our competition schedule would get really hectic about the same time as our final exams so that time of year I was like volatile I would say And like liable to like explode at any moment so the boys were really good and everybody was they just knew it was like I was dealing with a lot and trying to you know keep it down but uh yeah it was nice and I think that yeah, those sorts of things and trying to let, you know, let small stuff go was just like a bit of how I had to compensate to keep myself alive.
0: <laughs> yeah. That was, I love that you speak to that. Cause uh, I don't know, from like a lot of the things that we step back and watch these pro athletes do these things, you think it's perfect every day. You think like there's, obviously there's a massive amount of dedication and and a headspace that we clearly don't all have. But on top of that, there's still like this, this place where you can, you have to, you know, take off the the gas every now and then. Right.
1: Yeah. It's funny. You know, and I, I, we hear all the time from, every like in the media outlets that we have or whoever you know this guy's a machine this guy's a beast like whatever and like the reality of it is like i'm just a guy like i'm just a guy like every other guy and like so it's hard like we don't we don't not feel it or like not get stressed or not get tired like yeah we do (laughs) and like all that stuff is just like it's hard just like it, it adds up right and like it gets very difficult so i think being able to appreciate your humanness is important. be like, man, sometimes you need to nurse yourself a little bit and give yourself a break. Um, and so I think like in general, people would do well to try to remember that and like service yourself in a way that's going to allow you to, to survive long-term. Because I think in everything, like you see with, with, I'd say nutrition is like one of the worst ones, uh, where people get very dialed in on something and they get super hyper focused and dedicated. But a lot of times it's, it's not a sustainable approach and that's all that matters at the end of the day is sustainability. Um, You could be the most dedicated, fuck I could not eat at all. I'm, I'd be on a strict, not eating at all diet for one hour. But if you only do it for one hour, it doesn't matter. Like what's matters is sustainability over long periods of time. Right? So it's trends, it's trends over time. That's why I like, and if I eat some gummies and I go camping one weekend, it doesn't really matter as long as I'm prepared to come back and then and pay up when I need to and, and do the work and, and put my head down and, and, you know, make sure that I'm doing things that I need to do to be successful. Uh, and I think that being willing to do that, it's like you can't have one without the other. Like I would be less willing to do that if I never gave myself a break. So I think that that's kind of, it's always been important for me. And I, I also would never pretend that what works for me will work for everybody. Like the things that I got away with at school or I did at school and stuff like that, like I was able to balance things, but it was extremely difficult. And I, and I certainly don't think that everybody could do it. Uh, I think it takes a special type of person, but it's doable. Right. And I think that if you really, if you really care about things, you make time for them and you make it work. Uh, And that was just sort of how I tried to treat everything was like, Hey, like, if, if you really want to do it, this is how you have to do it. There's no other way. So if you want, if you want it, then it's there. And if you don't, then just don't stress about it. But uh, yeah,
0: you're speaking to me for sure, Pat. This is kind of like what I talk about all day, every day. This Consistency is everything. And if you have, like, a birthday, then enjoy your birthday. If you have, like, you're going out with a yeah. seen in a while, and then yeah. you know, I was talking about like, your, your, what was it, Daytona Beach? You guys had Cairo games one time? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're just saying, like, what a time that was to watch such, like, a high-level athlete go through school, kill it out there, and then go have fun. too.
1: Right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's, that's the thing. At the end of the day, you can't whip yourself over every little thing. Right. And I just, if that's the way you, you think, and you're just, you're constantly letting yourself down. Um, that's extremely hard. Like, it's hard to exist like that. So like, from, from my side of things, I just tried to like, be less strict with myself. And then I wouldn't be letting myself down, you know, And you're like, ah, it's like, no, it's cool. I allowed myself that like little break in my diet or this, whatever, like night out with my friends. And like, that was totally, that was in the plan. So that's totally fine. Um, and it just, yeah, like I'm not going to pretend it's the best thing for you. Um, but I think mentally it can, it can play a huge role in in letting you, you know, stay on that course long term and just keep your head above water and just keep kind of treading in the right direction. So yeah, it's funny. I mean, I, I, yeah, it's fine. And I, I would say that you just kind of have to do what works for you too. Right. Like I, like I said, I, I, I won't pretend that what I do or what I did in school is like the best way to do it. And everybody should do it like that. Cause it's just, people learn differently. People, people train differently. People spend their time differently. And like, you know, some people are morning people, some people are night owls. Like it just, there's so much variability that you sort of need to over time, just pay attention to yourself, and figure out what works for you, and then don't worry about what other people are doing, like the amount of times and I, particularly I would say academia is a bit inflexible that way, where everyone's like you should be doing it this way like this is the best way to do it and if you just whatever if you don't go to any classes ever but you're able to do all your assignments on time and nail them and you're you're a really good proficient self learner man by all means yeah like whatever like like achieve the goal um, don't worry about what people, people think about how you're getting there, right? And so, like, I did a lot of that. I did a lot of self-learning, did a lot of whatever, like, travel to compete in, like, the middle of school years. I wrote one exam when I was in London, England, because I had, like, I just had to. I had to write an exit exam, and I, I scheduled it at the school, and they didn't really like it. But I did it at a proctored facility, and it was all fine. And I just, like, I made it work, uh, and I was able to go do this trip and compete out there and not miss my school obligations. And I think that it just, you know, it takes some planning sometimes. <laughs> but... You can do it. And just like, if you don't sweat about how you do it uh, and you just, you do it, you do it for yourself and you do, it works for you. Um, that's the best way. I think we get in our own way sometimes thinking that, you know, this is the way to do it or this is the right way to do it. Um, and there's certainly like, there's certainly ways that work and there's no harm in trying a bunch of different ways, but if you find something that works for yourself, don't be shy. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I agree 100%, and I think um, more people need to hear that message, and I hope, like, more um, of these docu-series coming out, like, the Jordan was Jordan documentary was such a great example of that. Like, you look at Rodman and what he's putting out versus what Jordan was putting out. Like, these are two completely different athletes, and obviously there's no comparison to Jordan's skill, but there's variability in, in talent and how you get to where you got to, right?
1: For sure. Yeah, no, that was a great series, too. Cool. Oh my God, people haven't basic. watched it. Do it.
0: <laughs> so I sometimes
1: good. just watch the trailer every other day now just to get myself hyped
0: yeah or the uh the soundtrack to it too it's like oh yeah I yeah. Not get it kind of oh yeah um your headspace as kind of we had already mentioned is pretty amazing and I think um do you have any like routines that you do or um headspace stuff in terms of breath work or meditation or anything on that front that you do to you know calm yourself down before a big event or gear up
1: for a big day at work or anything hmm that's a good question Um, I don't think so particularly. I, I, I know one thing that as far as routine is I typically get up pretty early, even if I don't have to, um, and this is like, I spoke to like some people are morning people, some people are night people. Like, you know, I had a couple of my roommates would work at night all the time and I could not like my, if it was like 5 PM, that was it. I had to be done any work that I needed to do by 5 PM because it just like, I would train in the evenings and I'd come home tired and I just couldn't pick that up at that point it just was hard i had no more mental energy left so i usually get up really early and i would just have some time where no one else was awake and i was kind of by myself and i could work fairly uninterrupted um and just do little things that i needed to do uh like whatever small tasks to kind of get myself rolling uh and i kind of maintain that where I, i get i get up early and i try to even if i don't really have work to do it just gives me like a peaceful moment where i can get myself organized for the day uh plan out every step i typically actually plan the night before actually yeah this is this is one for sure this is weird but uh i, I because of what school was like for me and i had to i had very little time and i had to very strictly manage my schedule in windows of when i would have to be at what classes when i could train um how long it would take me to get from one place to another. Like, when am I going to eat? What am I going to eat? Like I had to have everything pretty well programmed. Um, and I found that if I just kind of like laid the schedule out the night before and I knew what I was doing the next day, all I had to do was like, it's like following a map. Like you just, you just walk deliberately from one thing to another. And it was just like, you just accomplished tasks, like one after another and it felt really good. And I was like, ah, oh, it's easy. It's just like checking boxes. And, um, so I try to do that. Like I, if I've got little errands to run, it's like, Hey, when are you going to do it between this thing and this thing? Like I get off work at this time, I'm going to train at this time. I have one hour to run errands. Like I'm going to go to Staples, I'm going to go to the grocery store, then we go to the gym, then I'm going to come home and I'm going to have like this much time, to take the dog out. Like if you just like have a little roadmap, um, it makes it really easy to, to do things. Uh, and you don't get stuck in that, uh, that procrastination period where you just, you get that, that, inertia when you sit in the couch that couch inertia and you just you can't really get moving uh and that can paralyze people and i just found that you know that's another reason i like to get little things done in the morning is it just gives me like this this like accomplishing tasks high where i've done a couple little things and i just feel like i'm on a roll even if they're dumb things and it was like take the garbage out like move the laundry like flip the laundry like you just feel like you've done something and you're like oh hell yeah i'm, I'm on a roll and then when you yeah. leave the house, you just, you're like, you're, you're in the, you're in the zone to get things done. So, you know, if you have to like call your bank or do things like that, they're just like easy tasks that sometimes you just put off cause you're tired. But first thing in the morning, it's really easy stuff to do. And I, yeah, I always try to do that and then have my roadmap for the day. Um, as far as like, I don't really do much meditation or things like that. Uh. I'm the classic, like my fiance looks at me sometimes like, what are you thinking? i <laughs> like, honestly, nothing. Like I, I, if I have time to sit and just kind of like not think about stuff, I actually really enjoy that uh, and just trying to space out a bit. But I like at night, sometimes I get a little bit restless, especially around competition where I start trying to like run through things and, and think about, you know, every possible Thing that could happen in every outcome and, and just trying to get myself really prepared. And I don't think it's a bad thing. I think having spent a lot of time thinking about every possible outcome, uh, you end up prepared for every possible outcome. And it's not bad. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I've been able to recover from a lot of bad finishes or, or negative things and events. But it can it can make you lose sleep for sure. <laughs> and I think sometimes I have to Give myself an acceptable amount of time to do that. And then I I, like I have to, I'll do some like deep breathing and things like that afterwards to just like because I'll lay in bed and have my heart like pounding, just like thinking about events or things. And uh so I'll usually give myself time to do it because I do think it's important to not just like stuff that stuff down. Mm Uh maybe give myself like half an hour to just like run through anything I need to do and and do it to completion. And then once you've done it once, there's no point in thinking about it anymore. So I'll just kind of like try to do some some big breaths and just like you know try to listen to my heart and listen to things like that and let myself like settle down my system until i fall asleep um yeah i don't know prior to competition i don't really have like on the competition floor i don't really have anything it's like <clears throat> i think i think about absolutely everything up until the time i'm like i have to execute and then you kind of think about nothing and you have to just trust that your training is good and you know what you're gonna do and um at that point it's yeah it's just like kind of empty yourself and don't let yourself be stressed about things and uh you know a couple big breaths time the breath on the five count and then go
0: and then go yeah I think this concept of like putting it back in your back pocket for things that don't go the way you wanted them to is super fascinating especially like day of competition to be able to compartmentalize that is is mind-blowing for probably a lot of athletes out there like I know when I played hockey I'd have a shitty shift and it would just kind of stick with me um, and that was probably like a huge fault of you know, why I never made it further in sports too. So is there things that you tell yourself or is there like um, a way that you compartmentalize all this or does it just kind of happen for you?
1: Um, it's hard to, I don't know. I think that's a hard thing for people to learn to do, honestly. And I think it's something that my background did a very good job of teaching me a long time ago when I was a kid. And it's something that you just have, I've been able to hang on to and it served me really well um, when gymnastics the the similarities to the competition style are pretty, are pretty awesome. Like you get, you know, gymnastics for men is six events. um, And you compete all six events and, you know, you have an all around score and you have an event score for each event. You can make finals on any individual event. You can make all around finals, but like if you bomb one event, your all around score might be trash, but you can still make event finals. You can win, you know, five other medals. So it's really important to not carry that over because for sure your headspace and, and stuff like that makes a big difference. If you fell on one event and you're just moping for the rest of the competition, like you're going to scrap every score in the rest of the day. Um, so in, you know, in our competition style, <clears throat> it's the same thing where you, you know, if you bomb one event, but you've got two more that day, like you can't, you can't let that carry over uh, and spoil a bunch more events. Every single earning opportunity for points is, is a brand new one. So you need to kind of treat it that way. And I think there's a couple ways that I do it. And one is that I vent hard. Uh, And like, if things go poorly and I don't, or I think that, you know, something stupid or unfair happened, uh, I like, I totally and will unabashedly vent with my coach and like, um, just like get it out. And then we'll just like, and then we'll just forget about it and we'll pocket it. And then it's like time to go. And I know, and like I said, I spent years competing in gymnastics and I know how to like, Okay, that was it. The time to think about that is done now, and it's passed. And I'll give myself that like five to ten minutes to do that and just like get it out of your system. And then it's like, all right, whatever. We can talk about it tonight, or we can talk about it when the competition's done. But like now, we we can't talk about it again because we have this other job to do. Um, and I think that it's hard in our space to learn that because the comp there's not that many competition opportunities. I think the just the nature of what competition is in terms of a volume and intensity and just demand on the body, you may only be able to sustain like four events a year. Um, if you're going to try to compete at a really high level, <clears throat> but in other sports, you know, you get, you might compete, you know, in, in gymnastics, you might compete in like 10 competitions in a year or something like that. Um, or, you know, in, in training, you're doing those same routines all the time. And, and it's just, I think that you learn, you learn from experience a lot and, you know, you play a sport like hockey, the amount of times you've had clutch situations that you had to make a decision fast and then figure something out and then deal with it. I mean, it happens several times a game. Um, And then you play, you know, 50 games in a season, like how, how many times can you have a chance to hone that skill? Right. And that's why when you see people who are, you know, clutch performers often in our context, it's because they have a different sports background that taught them that. I think it's very difficult for people to, naturally be someone who just like walks into a spotlight and nails it. Um, But people who, you know, like some of the guys who were Olympic weightlifters prior to starting, like that's all it is. It's like performance on demand. Like walk out on the platform. Everybody's looking at you go. Like, I don't care if you did it a thousand times in training, like you have to do it right now. And that's hard. It's hard to do. And I think uh, people can get frustrated with, you know, how their performance varies between training and competition. And I think, if you've done a lot of sports um, you may be more innately understand that that's just the way things are. Um, you know, you like, you know, you've had a lot of games or like you've had practices where you're just fucking lighting a goalie up and then you go play a game and you can't hit the net. And then it's just like, sometimes you have bad games and you have, you have to figure out how to manage those things and manage your own emotions. And team sports is also a different dynamic where sometimes you have to manage the emotions of other people. Uh, and it's, that's, those are things you just learn how to do by exposure so I think that sports background is super important. And I mean, that stuff also transfers over into, you know, clinical context, like I was saying, like understanding how to manage the emotions for specific people and manage expectations. And, and like, those things are super important. And I think that they're just, they're just skills you develop. That's why sports is such a cool context and a cool platform uh, to socialize people and to like teach them lessons that you don't even know they're, you're teaching them. Right.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, transferring over into kind of your business life for the most part, um, what made you pick chiropractic and like what type of practitioner are you? I know there's, um, you know, so many different chiropractors and a lot of people have this vision at some points of what a chiro is. So do you want to just like elaborate a little bit on how you practice?
1: Yeah. So I kind of got into it because I was in like, I wanted to pursue a health field. Um, I was looking at physio. I did my MCATs. I was looking at doing medicine and I just like, I don't know, I'm not a huge hospital guy. So I decided to bail on that. (laughs) And I had a good chiropractor growing up. Um, and I mean, I did a lot of falling on my head as a kid and getting like smashed into the boards. So I was pretty needy, I suppose. And I was there a lot and, uh, I liked the way that that treatment was. So uh, it sort of made me lean towards that. And I think it was cool. I mean, the more I got into it and you sort of see the, how many different directions you can take that uh, it's cool. And I mean, personally, I do a lot of, of um, rehab stuff and a lot of exercise based stuff because that's also the world that I live in on like a personal level. Uh, I spent a lot of time in sports and I still compete in a high level in sports. So that's just something that I know again, maybe a little more innately than some people Um So I would say in general, I'm like exercise and manual therapy bias. Um, I adjust like if now and then I'd like not every patient, but um, for certain things I will. Uh, I do a little bit of instrument stuff, but yeah, I don't do out here. We can't do acupuncture or anything like that. So, um, but yeah, so I'm mostly like manual therapy and exercise based, I would say.
0: Mm -hmm. yeah that's super interesting because yeah the guys at our clinic are a lot of acupuncture a lot of manual therapy and i think that old view of a chiropractor is kind of out right like there's so much they're capable of and so much into understanding of of the body is is kind of the new wave of it
1: yeah for sure that i think the old like rackham and crackham days are are gone but uh i mean there's still that around for sure Mm -hmm. but yeah i think definitely it's it's cool to see how things have shifted and, or are trending. Uh, And I think it's good. I mean, I think that the style of treatment like that with, with a little bit more education and exercise and and stuff like that is in my opinion, more conducive to long-term success. Like that's always my conversations I have with patients is about, you know, how do I equip you with the tools to keep yourself healthy? Uh, You know, like I love a lot of the people that I treat, but, if I end up seeing you like twice a week for 20 years, I've failed you, frankly. Um, and that's not, so I, I, like, I try to have that conversation where it's like, you know, I love you, but I don't want to see you forever. Um, that's not a good thing. I mean, if, if I'm able to, you know, treat someone's shoulder and make them feel better and then they have another issue down the road, like, yeah, come on back for sure. And we'll deal with the other things as they come. But uh, I think that if you're, tre- I don't want to treat someone for the same injury forever. Right. And then that, that's sort of, tough. And I think that's where a lot of that, that active component comes in. But there's definitely, I think a lot of still misconception that we, you know, we just treat spines too, like necks and backs. And uh, like I do, I've been doing a lot lately. Actually, I feel like this week I've done almost all extremities. I've, done, I've had a couple of low backs and stuff, but I've been doing a lot of like knees, shoulders, wrists, elbows, a um, couple ankles. Like I've been doing a lot of that. We got a lot of hikers and people out here getting back to it. So um, yeah, I think the fact that we, you know, we do a lot of work for the whole body. I think that a lot of people are a little bit less aware of that just because, I mean, what you, what you know about chiropractors is they kind of crack joints and everybody knows the back cracking.
0: Yeah. Or neck too. Everyone's yeah, like, yeah. well, my neck doesn't hurt. And I'm like, well, you're not going to the chiropractor for your neck. I'm sending you for like this full body uh, workout kind of. Yeah. Um, what about like, do you have something you just nail in chiropractic? Like every time you walk in, you, it walks into your door. You're just like, yep, I got this.
1: Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know if I wanna
0: see.
1: Yeah, well I don't know if I wanna like blow up my own spot in case it's like <laughs> I don't know, like if you're like, yeah, no, anytime the shoulder comes in, like I crush it and then like next week a shoulder's gonna come in that I can't I can't figure out or wrap my head around. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I'm I don't know. I, it's hard to say. I'm I've been doing a lot of uh Yeah, I've been doing a lot of shoulders lately. I and I would say actually I'm decent on shoulders because I've had my own fair share of shoulder injuries and I've uh it's kind of funny like because like I said I, I'll just talk to other therapists and I'll get treated by um chiropractors at my clinic or when I was in Toronto I had some it's a great team that I worked with and um it, and you just you learn from people right you learn from your peers and you like that people will do something and as someone who also works in the field I'm interested in being like oh like what are you doing there? Is that for this or that? And they're like, Oh yeah, like here, this is kind of how I do it. And I'll, I'll try to spend some time learning while I get my own treatment. And then I, I turn around and I, I use that myself if I like it. Right. Uh, so that's be- so because I've had a lot of treatment on my shoulders, I sometimes have a, a pretty good repertoire, a pretty deep trick bag of tricks when it comes to treating shoulders. Um, and I understand a lot of the, the common issues that are, that people face with their shoulders. So, maybe shoulder I would say which is scary because shoulders are also extremely complicated that's why I was like hesitant to say that
0: yeah I hear you there's so many things that can go wrong (laughs) with that joint and also like the way people describe their pain or what's happening fascinates me like I feel like I could write a book on it one day because um it's always nice to have insight of the injuries previously so you can kind of relate to what's happening but I also think it's just wild when people use their words to describe what's happening it just blows my mind
1: it's hard though and I mean one of the people with often are a bit sheepish about it too because they're, they're like oh well, it's hard to describe and, and and i and they don't really want to try and i i'll often tell people that it's like i get it and it's difficult like think about if somebody asked you to describe any other feeling other than their pain they said if you're like oh, i'm feeling really nervous and they're like well, how do you mean like describe your nervousness to me it's really hard to describe a yeah. feeling like it's really hard. Yeah. So I'm going to be like, Oh God, you know, it's like I have a pit in my stomach and I like my heart's racing and whatever. Like there's, you can do it, but sometimes people need a little bit of, of prompting and they just need you to like tell them like, yeah, no, I get it. It's hard. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. man, it's like trying to describe your dream to someone. Like you feel like you're just talking and they're like, what is this person talking <laughs> about? So I find, yeah, often people get a bit sheepish, but when I think about it like that, I'm like, well, if somebody asked you to describe how, like how happy you were or describe your feeling of happiness, I wouldn't know what to say either. Like, so, and when you're thinking of pain as a subjective, um, you know, feeling in a measure like that, it's, that's basically what it is. It's like, how do you describe a feeling? Uh, so it is interesting. And it's fun when people are creative with it yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I think that we, we hear a lot of the similar stuff over time, but uh, it's always fun when someone has something brand new for you. And you're like, oh, shit,
0: nice. Yeah. Have you had any, like, wins in your caseload where you were just like, I never thought this was going to go this way. This is blowing my mind, and this is amazing.
1: Uh, well, we'll see. Re- like, I've been treating a woman for an elbow injury recently that hasn't been progressing, and so we're sending her for uh, some imaging and stuff like that just to see if there's anything going on because we can't like I it's weird and I can't figure it out so I'm hopeful that that I don't know maybe something comes out of that that can at least direct us a little bit better mm-hmm. um I don't know other than that let me see anything recently uh yeah I don't know no nothing like outstanding yet yet so we'll it's see no yeah time. yeah exactly um,
0: I feel too like we always celebrate the huge wins and stuff, and maybe this is uh, for you as well. But um, in your crossfit career, I mean, like you've hit pretty well the epitome of where people would want to get to. But would that be the highlight, like sitting on that stage, accepting those medals, or or would there be a different part of the whole setup that you were like, no, that's the highlight?
1: Uh it's kind of funny. Like I think, <clears throat> like I said, I, the the like medals and like the end of competition is a bit like a uh, I don't know. It's, it's awesome. Cause a lot goes into it. Um, but I feel like I don't, I like, don't really realize that you're almost like I'm almost so relieved that it's done that you're just like, great. And then you don't really think much about it. I think the best, the best times that I have competing, um, is with like that group of people. Uh, so, I mean, at the end of the event when everybody's kind of on the floor during the award ceremony and you're just chatting with everybody and everyone's been through the same train wreck of events and, you all feel like shit, but you're like happy it's done. And it's fun to talk to people there. And those are really cool human moments for people um, where you're not competitors anymore. And you just kind of sit there and and catch up with people. Um, And another really fun one that used to happen that doesn't anymore is they used to run an invitational competition where they'd invite um, like the top two men and women from each region. Like they do Canada, Europe, uh, Pacific Rim, and then the U S and we'd make these teams of four of just like four studs from wherever, uh, based on their finish from like the, the games, the year previous. Um, and we compete in like a fun, no stakes event. It's just like compete for pride. And it was super fun. We, we did, I did one in Australia and one in, uh, actually one was in Canada. Uh, and they just like rotate the host every year. And it was fun cause you, you get that same competition to stimulus, but you'd go out there for like a week And you'd spend a lot of time kind of training with all these other people that you don't see as often. And it wasn't like a stressful environment. Like you're going into a crazy competition where, where the stakes are high and your nerves are high. So, and you just, you'd have dinner with everybody every night and it was just like a very loose environment. So those are really fun. Like again, when you're dealing with people on a little more human level um, and you know, you're not trying to smash them. uh, Right. Like you just, it made it super fun and it was really, those were really cool experiences to like meet people from all over the world and spend some time with them. And you kind of have this shared experience, but everybody comes from kind of a different place. And uh, those are really cool. Like those are kind of the memories that I think stick more with me. I think stuff is stuff and like medals are great and what they represent is awesome. But um, you know, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't say that I like look at my medals and think like, Oh wow, I remember that year and that ceremony. Like uh, I think that the cooler experiences are usually the ones that involve like the fun people and the, the memories that you actually got to deal with them. Right. Like I've done some cool competitions around the world that were extremely low stakes, but they were super fun because of that. And you got to kind of hang out with a lot of cool people or new people and, and just like have a lot more fun. Um, cause as much as the, like the games and those things are great, um, they're less fun, frankly, like they're, they're stressful and they're a lot of work and they're super hard. Uh, and I think they're always fun in hindsight when you look back and you're like, "That was really cool," uh, but I I don't think I've ever like finished a competition there and been like, "That was fun," you know. <laughs> and it actually it kind of annoys me when people do that because they are there. A lot of people do it and they say like, "Yeah, it wasn't that fun," like right when you finish, and you're like, "No, no," like that was not it was not fun at all. And I guess you know, type two fun. It was rewarding, right? Mm. But that fun is not the way I would describe it, <laughs> and. So I think that, yeah, some of those, those events just with fun people and, and, uh, and lower stakes are a lot more fun.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, CrossFit's obviously been under some heat lately. There's been a lot going on, and um, it's super unfortunate that like, s- these words can play such a detriment to this um, activity and sport that has done a lot for people. What, kind of, what are your thoughts on it, and what do you see happening for the future? I know a lot of people are kind of disassociating the CrossFit name and stuff
1: it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next couple of weeks. Uh, and I think we're at a really fragile time because of where the CrossFit games are and because of COVID and because of a lot of things. Um, you know, I think some of the statements that got made uh, were stupid, frankly, and extremely insensitive and I think very revealing of, of what kind of a person was leading there. But um, it's, it's, it's interesting because like the, the CrossFit world you know, was, was kind of built by the affiliates and the gyms and that, that community is kind of not represented by that person. Right. So it's interesting. And I think it's the same as uh, also like the, the statements and stuff like that is kind of just like the straw that broke the camel's back. There's a lot of other stuff that's been going on um, building things up to a bit of a tipping point. And then I think with a lot of the new recent scandals and the kind of uh, like the sexual assault allegations and things like that, it's just like people have just become very disenchanted Uh, and I can't blame them. And so I think that it's gotten to a point where people want people either want a significant overhaul in terms of leadership and see like that kind of toxic, a few of those toxic people just get completely removed um, or they want to just continue on without the name. So it's hard i think that you know if you move on without it you lose a little bit of that global community and that unifying identity um not to say that it couldn't be rebuilt but i know there's definitely a lot of people that are unsure about you know if if they're gonna if they really are gonna make that change i think that what's happened so far is kind of this game of musical chairs where a lot of the leadership kind of just got up and turned in a circle and they all sat down in a new chair yeah but it's all the same people um and some of them are great people. And I think some of them, not so much. Uh, but it, the point being that it doesn't fix the problem and the same guy still owns a hundred percent of the company. Um, so that's why people are just kind of like, well, cool. Like this guy, like he made all these statements and people really got um, were really upset about it and he didn't do anything. He just like, he, he, st- he stepped down as CEO, but he still owns hundred percent of the company. So it doesn't yeah. matter. He wasn't CEO this time last year, and then he just like uprooted the CEO, stepped in, did whatever he wanted, and there's no protection to say that he wouldn't do that again mm-hmm. uh, when he's you know feeling a little less sorry in a few months. So I think it's it's at a point where people public trust is low. I would yeah. say right, and that's the problem. And when you're when your defense to that is you need to give us some time and trust us, it's really difficult because there hasn't been they haven't given many good reasons to trust them in the Mm -hmm. recent history. So it's tough, you know, and it puts, it puts the affiliate owners in a difficult position. It puts people who are on their staff for a long time in a difficult position. Like (laughs) us as athletes are in a weird spot because, um, you know, like I don't, I don't work for CrossFit. I pay them $20 every year to do their competition circuit, Mm -hmm. but, uh, we're, we're very heavily associated with them. Right. You know, like I'm in their documentaries and I'm whatever. And I think when people see me, they think that, so now we're in a position where, you know, if we go, do we go compete and then is that like tacit support for this group? Um, Is there an opportunity for us to branch out and create a new kind of league without this, you know, single person running ownership, like where we can create a board and create a better, a better viable sporting system um more like what maybe like tennis or golf or things are like with like a circuit competition circuit there's some opportunities to do things but i think that we don't really know and it's hard because things are happening pretty fast um and it's weird it's hard because i think there's a lot of there's a lot of mistrust at a time when people really are wondering who to trust and like they're looking for something to trust but they like they can't so it's been strange. And I think that we're, we're in a weird position because we kind of direct eyes. Like a lot of us have a big following and people look at us and then um, you know, I think that wh- for, for better or worse, people look at what we do and they analyze it and they say like, Oh, like this person's done this or said this, and this is what their think is right or whatever. And, and so, I don't know, a lot of the athletes we've been talking and trying to, to figure out what we think is best and, uh and just kind of all get on the same page because because of that like it's weird and when one person uh speaks a certain way or says something then it it kind of reflects on everybody and we all need to kind of process this in our own way and make a decision so we'll see i think it's going to be weird to see how and if the games runs this year um and and what else happens in terms of the leadership changes and if like if there's going to continue to be more scandals and more skeletons coming out of the closet and, and what that's going to do to affect, you know, affect our decisions and, and affect public trust. And, you know, if, is there going to be a reputable damage done to the name? Cause right now, uh, like it's a dirty word, like CrossFit's CrossFit's not doing great. And I think that's sucks because I mean, I think for a long time we were proud to say we were CrossFit athletes and now you're not so quick to do that. Yeah. Um, because it, it, like I said, it comes off as, as support for um, someone who clearly should not be in the role that they're in. Um, So I, it's tough. I think that it's, it's a weird, it's a weird spot. And I think that a lot of us are hoping that it's not so tarnished that we can, we can salvage it. But uh, I think it remains to be seen and probably it will be seen in the next couple of weeks. um, What, what comes of this and if there's, if there is going to be a real change or if it's going to be, you know, cheap talk and, and delay tactics.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think like the newness of, I mean, like it's relatively spent its time now, but the newness of CrossFit versus, you know, other sports, like stuff like this has been going on in the NHL and the NFL and all that sort of stuff for years. And whether it be, you know, monetary backing or growth or all that sort of stuff that keeps, I don't know, it under wraps or slowly releases one story at a time. It's just tough that there's so much coming out at once about, you know,
1: CrossFit. Yeah. Well, and I think it's like, anytime you see scandal like that happen, I think the more, when one person speaks up, it provides courage to others. And I think that um, there's always a fear of speaking up early because of, of not being believed or not being whatever. And I think that that totally is a real thing. Um, and you know, who knows, maybe we're at a point where it's happened in a lot of sports where now it's time to, like maybe we separate the sport and the gym side and we, we do something slightly different and create a different league. Or we've, I know a lot of us have been talking forever that we need to have some sort of a, an athlete's association, like a Mm -hmm. player's association to allow us to kind of protect ourselves. Um, And it's never been possible and usually gets stamped out pretty quick. And um, now is probably the right time. Uh, So like now, maybe it's an opportunity for the sport to kind of branch out and, and control itself a little bit. Uh, But who knows? I don't know. I think, I think frankly, the sporting side of it will still exist because people like to go and watch it. And a lot of big major competitions existed independently of CrossFit HQ for years, regardless. So I think that that's probably fine. But the sad part will be that if, if the name gets significantly tarnished, still uh, you know, a lot of the gyms that, that carry that name, um, they need to either, you know, unaffiliate or, or they're just kind of carrying this name that's now, like I said, a bad word, Mm -hmm. but not because of anything that they did or even knew about, or even had like any, any like possible connection to. So that's, what's the shame is it's like, you know, and you hear it from a lot of the gym owners that are like, man, well, what are we supposed to do? Like, I don't know this owner. Like, I don't, I never met him. I've never even heard of him until like a couple of years ago. Like I don't have a clue. This has nothing to do with me or my gym or my community. Like we don't, uh we don't know anything about this and the problem is like it doesn't matter yeah <laughs> right? that's the trickiest so, part
0: and like how much the sport has done for women i had mentioned that before but it's actually oh actually it's been amazing yeah yeah
1: yeah and that that the stuff like i mean they they released uh, a couple of years ago there was they were allowing trans athletes mm-hmm. um they've been actually like pretty good on the forefront of most of that stuff and so it's you know it's alarming to hear some of the the things that have come out but yeah i don't know it's uh like i said i I don't have a good answer for it like we'll see what happens in the next while and we're trying to we're trying to make the best decisions we can to you know protect ourselves also right and protect our livelihood but try to behave in a way that is going to be in the best interest of the crossfit community as well because like you know we're also a part of that community um so it's funny it's been a weird weird time uh, and just like, I think in general, it's just been such a turbulent time with a lot of the social causes going on. So um, people in general are very inflamed and they're just like, I think that the, the court of public opinion is extremely aggressive at the moment. And, and the internet is so volatile that um, it's it's become a bit weird, you know, and every time new information comes out or something comes out, you either you have to make a a statement immediately or else you're you're like accused of something else for not making a statement and so it's been a it's been a turbulent time to have followers on the internet I guess and it's kind of funny and I it's I went camping last weekend and I just had to like not I had to just completely disconnect for a while because it's just hard it's hard to you know shoulder that all the time
0: Yeah. And there's so many variables up in the air too, like making rash decisions or rash
1: for sure. kind
0: of speeches can have major implications and it, it's not by any means saying that you agree with what went on. You know, it's just, it's just no, like what, sure. picking the most right thing, you know, in a series of potentially poor options.
1: Yeah. One at the end of the day, I think you need to analyze it and, and sort of behave by your values as well and not worry about what people are thinking. But um, do something that feels right and you're not going to be sad or ashamed about but i will tell you it definitely made me happy the last couple of weeks to spend some of those days in the clinic and like get away from my phone and the world of like social media and all that stuff and just be able yeah. to like put it away just do my job for a few hours and and uh come back to it another time because yeah it's been a bit wild yeah, uh and i like said imagine. we're waiting to hear more and who knows like stuff like the games like they just pushed it back a couple weeks, 3 weeks, and i mean we don't know, i mean based on travel limitations and all that stuff, like we don't even know if that thing sort of thing can possibly happen. Mm-hmm. So the 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 crossfit world is in flux for sure right now. A lot of uncertainty. Way.
0: Yeah. I really like the idea of like the players association though, because you can see in so many other sports, how like having this surrounding and these laws in place or these regulations to protect you guys is huge. And um, I could really see that being extremely beneficial. In
1: the future yeah. Too. We've, we've been looking very seriously at it and trying to, you know, see, see if there's any, if there's anything that can, that, anywhere that that can go. Um, mm-hmm. Cause again, like I, this just might be the time, like if things are currently in flux anyway, mm-hmm. uh, and there's going to need to be an overhaul anyway, in a lot of areas like maybe this is just the right time to do it and be like hey well when we restart this is just now another entity that exists and we'll yeah so it's been busy it's been a busy time on the outside of training and competing and and chiropractic as well yeah so,
0: definitely we probably all look at you and just think well most athletes and think sunshine and the you know living the best life ever, but <laughs> yeah it's kind of cool to hear all of these things and even like the Jordan documentaries and all of these things that are on television. Now we get to see that, like how much work goes into this, and how much dedication and how much time you put into all of this. And I mean, we didn't even talk about nutrition or supplementation, but um, I can just imagine at this point, like how, you know, diligent you are about that for the most part. And um, I read one thing that you had said just using food as fuel for the most part. And I think like, that would be really sweet if we a lot of us adapted that idea a bit.
1: It's, it is, I would say this, it is sweet, however, but it's not, it's hard. It's hard to like sustain that. And I think that's often how I think when I get very busy and I, when I was saying about how I map out my days sometimes, like that's what it was fully. It was like, at some days it's just like, and now, Oh, it's two o'clock. You need to eat this much food because like, otherwise you're going to faint in a little while. And so it was just like fully like, like some of the guys used to give me a hard time because it would be, you know, very bland. I'd have like rice and, chicken or something and just like very little seasoning no no drag just like Mm -hmm. it was just like pure it wasn't for me to taste or enjoy it was like just (laughs) to eat it uh and oftentimes during competition that's what it's like as well because you don't sometimes you don't feel like eating or you're tired or you're hot but it's you need to and, and often in a long competition you're eating for the last day like so even from the first day of competition it's all about like maintaining those stores until the end uh, so you're not the guy that's running out of gas and you look more like yourself on that last day. And so a lot of that is, yeah, you're, you're doing a lot of eating when you're not hungry. You're eating when you're not hungry. You're doing a lot of eating when you don't want to. And it's very often very boring food. Mm-hmm. So that's, how you have to think of it. it's just like, this is, this is just fuel. Like it's not, it's not food. And I like, I like a good meal as much as the next guy, but there, there are a lot of times in my life where it's not a priority and it's just like, you know what, you gotta remember why, like what you're eating for and why. And like, it's just, Yeah, definitely. I think
0: that's a whole other piece to this too. Yeah. It's not sexy
1: sometimes. Yeah,
0: definitely. And I like, don't mean to highlight that for people, but I also think like, you know, the worth work ethic that you need for this and the passion and the drive and desire. Like, I love that you speak to the balance of, you know, having your days off and taking them. But I also think it's really important for people to see, you know, how much work it takes and how much headspace it takes and how much dedication Pretty well day in and day out to get your workouts done to get up early to get your shit done in between it's it's amazing and i think like uh, it's so awesome to hear this from you know athletes of your level too
1: for sure yeah no it's busy and i mean everybody's busy that's what i always tell people it's like everybody's got their things right like mm-hmm. um and it's not like everybody yeah i still find time to watch a couple episodes of netflix a day so like it's not like I'm, it on netflix uh what did we start watching um oh we started watching actually on amazon the i think it's on amazon It's like little fires everywhere
0: oh yeah yeah Yeah, but uh
1: yeah my fiance read the book so she wanted to watch it so we started watching that and then we have like we've been watching parks and rec forever just like Mm -hmm. as our as our like nice easy 20 minute positive yeah exactly so easy to watch I love but. it.
0: Um, so I usually finish most podcasts with asking um, like if it were, there was a young aspiring crossfitter coming out what what tips would you give them or what kind of uh, advice especially with well maybe you don't have to consi- consider the volatility of crossfit right now but what would you bestow upon them?
1: Well, I guess it depends on a few things. One, how young are they? And two, like are they, gonna they be, like, going to be like going to school or things like that? <laughs> um i don't know i i would say it's funny i feel like i'm the worst like poster boy for it because um i don't i don't want people to give up things in order to do be successful at crossfit i don't think that there's like it's not it's not the same as some as like professional sports where you're going to make a huge living off of it there's very few people currently who do um and it's fun and it's cool and it's got a great environment and, but I don't think it should be your primary focus probably. Uh, so like for me when I was in school, it was never a question that I was going to finish school and do that. Like it wasn't put things on hold for a bit and just see if I can win. Like it's never, ever been a priority. Um, and it's always just been something I've been doing as well as, uh, as living the rest of my life as I planned. So it's given me a lot of really cool opportunities, but that's why I feel like, you know, people who want to like, quit their jobs and then like be a games athlete i'm like eh, don't do that <laughs> um so it's interesting i think that you know for a young person i think there's a lot of value to be gained in competing in other sports like if you're you know 16 and you want to be going to the games um you should, like do crossfit classes or something like a couple days a week three days a week right now learn your skills get a foundation spend a lot of time building that strong base so that you move really well and you're like, you've got, you understand the movements and you you've got your skills in place and then play other sports. Like I, I fully think that all the people are, that are winning right now in CrossFit competitions are winning on the backs of their athletic background. Um, I think that most of the best, the high regular high achievers at the games are all people who are, have had full athletic careers, collegiate careers, stuff like that. Um, and I think that the lessons you learn and the skills you obtain in a career in another sport are super beneficial and you've got way more opportunity to hone skills. Uh, and you just, it's, it's fun. It's more fun. Like, I wish I could still go play some sports, uh, and like, and just go have fun. It's social. It's like, it's a great way to learn things, uh, and discover your body. So like, I totally think people should play sports longer. Uh, you know, like I, I was a gymnast till I was 20 and I com- I competed and played lacrosse till I was 20. Four twenty-five, 25 like that's adulthood like i I played sports longer than most people did yeah. and like you know and then i and then i started cross when i was like 24 mm-hmm. like so i see people now who are starting when they're like 19 or like 18 coming to the games um and it's incredible frankly but i'm i'm surprised that people don't want to play sports longer mm-hmm. i'm just like i i had so much fun playing sports my whole life that like and that's my bias too. Right. Is that I'm just like, man, why would you not want to do that? Um, it's just like rather than just be in your gym and just be training to be fitter, uh, you could be like playing, playing a game or like playing a sport and competing against people in a different way. So I, I just love that. Right. And I think that there's so much value in it from social atmospheres to like learning skills and learning lessons that, you know, you can transfer into your work or whatever school. Um, I think people should play sports longer. (laughs) So usually, usually my advice, especially now that there's age group divisions where like Mm -hmm. people can compete. I think there's a 14, 15 year old division and a 16, 17 year old. Um, When people want to compete as teens, uh, my advice is to not, Uh, it's like, I think that your option very likely is you could get really good and be a highly competitive teenager and then not ever make the jump to the open division Mm -hmm. or you could just play sports and have fun and go to school and do that while you're a teenager and just be a teenager. And then when you're whatever age 20, now you can jump into the open division and be like ready to rock. And you may be able to be successful in the open division, but there's been few, if any who've ever made the jump and been successful from the teen division to the the adult division. Um, And I think a large part of that is burnout. Yeah, I think when you're, when true. you're, when you're 14 and you're trying to like train two sessions a day of like, of just exercise, like not a lot, not a lot of like skill work. It's not like going, having two sessions a day and one of them, you're just working on like stick handling and passing. It's like, a lot of it is high strain and to, to do that from the time you're what, like 14 to the time you're 17 and like, you're, you know, you can't go do things with your friends cause you're training and you're competing and whatever. Uh, it's hard. And I just yeah. like I I'd get burnt out and like I you know that's what kind of what gymnastics was like and I burnt out of that so it's like I, I get it's it totally and, I, yeah. and I and I totally understand how that would happen so I think in general it's kind of I would recommend that people live while they're young and be young and don't stress about it and if you want really want to do it still do it a couple times a week do some easy competitions or like local competitions see if you really like it um, and then yeah and then as you get older you can start to just add some volume into that but that's the other thing is like do a local competition because it might not be what you think it is
0: yeah exactly i think you
1: gotta you gotta dip your toes in the water at least once before you're like yeah i definitely want to go to the games like (laughs) games is hard yeah Uh, and And not always
0: fun too yeah
1: no and if you're if you're thinking that your yeah your local competition was like a little bit bit much for you then that's just like it's a sign and uh Yeah, like I said, we
0: learned that uh, CrossFit is a retirement sport, essentially.
1: Well, I I actually think it's a sport where where retired athletes go to to still be competitive, frankly, in my opinion, I I think it's one that like, people who retired from sport, either, you know, they did competed in university, or they did whatever. And then they just like, they've still got that edge. And they still got Mm -hmm. that want and that need to like be competitive that drive. Um, It's a healthy outlet for that. It totally is. Um, and it's a sport where you can go after and like, you know, the, the athletic skills you've acquired have some value. And, and yeah, I, I think most of the people that I'm friends with in the, in the space and most people that I know that have been successful, uh, that's everybody's story. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, so that's that an another thing mindset. that's, it's another thing that's fun about it. Right. It's like, you know, I came from a vastly different background than, you know, Matt Fraser or like Scott Pancheck or Brent Fukowski, like all different, totally different worlds but you kind of come together and you see where people's uh, backgrounds lend themselves. And they, you know, so-and-so beats you cause he's like was a football player for like ever and like has mm-hmm. insane power output. And you're like, great, but okay, it's okay. cool. Yeah. Like, and, and you kind of, you get to see that. So I, I think that that's super valuable. I think that just sports should be played for as long as you can. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And then you can be boring like me and just work out in a garage. <laughs>
0: No, I love that. I think that's great advice. And I I agree. Like um, it sounds like that type of sport. If you still have that edge, if you still have that competition, if you're not done, like it's definitely a great option. And then as I agree, I love playing sports so much. So it'd be nice to keep kids in sport as long as possible.
1: Play sports, go to school, you know?
0: Yeah. To get the, get the priorities straight. Pretty much everything you said, I feel like I've been shaking my head yes to over here like, I loved what you're saying and I like your headspace on all of these things. And I think you share some really good insight for our listeners. So thanks so much for kind of lending us some of your time.
1: No worries, Nicole. It was my pleasure.
0: Awesome. Maybe we'll all be back again one day.
1: Cool. Sounds good.
0: Awesome. Thanks, buddy.